This is the Sounding Board Podcast with Hachi and Damo. Thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Well, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen of the media. My name is Justin Rodsky, Chief Executive of Melbourne Storm, here to announce today our findings and the NRL's findings and the level of action we'll be taking as a club in relation to the incident last week involving three of our players. I'm happy to take some questions at the end, but firstly, let me outline our sanctions. The Melbourne Storm takes a dim view of the behaviour of three of our players, and as such, the findings are as follows. Cameron Munster has been fined $30,000 and will participate in a rehabilitation program. Brandon Lewis has been fined $15,000 and Chris Lewis $4,000. All three players have been given one-match suspensions. The cold facts are these. The pictures and the video on social media of that night pointed to bad behaviour that we feel brought our club into disrepute. The NRL investigated the matter and have shared their findings with us. And while the players are under no obligation to be drug-tested... They did admit to being drunk on the night and can't remember what happened. Such was their consumption of alcohol. It's the view of the Melbourne Storm, a proud club. They brought our club into disrepute. They put themselves in a position where they were unable to prove their innocence. And as such, we must assume the worst behaviour. And their actions on that night, whatever they may be, led to the vision and the position they put themselves in. The club has a job to protect itself. It will act anyway. And our stance is supported by a broader playing group. Our sanctions are severe, but reflect the damage done to our club on the evening. More broadly, our culture says that we're extremely disappointed in this behaviour, but we embrace the challenge of reform. We do accept the players have had a long and strenuous season, but that is no excuse, repeat, no excuse for the behaviour we saw on the night. We won't be standing for it. We will support them, but this is their last chance. And these sanctions reflect how seriously we're taking it as a club. I'm happy to take any questions from members of the media. Justin, did the players take drugs? The actions on the night mean that it is on them to prove themselves that they didn't. The video is damning. The players are under no obligation to be drug tested and by their own admission, they can't recall what happened on the night. We accept that, but we judge them on their action to that point. What do you feel was the white substance in the video? At this point, it's actually irrelevant because they put themselves in a position where they can't prove their innocence. It's their job in that instance to be able to prove their innocence. And if they can't do that by their actions on the night, whatever they may be, then we have to assume the worst and take the dimmest view. Was, was it possibly Malden rock salt? Absolutely, it could have been. We don't know and we won't know. But it's well, on them Justin, to prove let, their let's innocence. Let's stop jumping around here and, and sugarcoating to use another white substance analogy here. Why can you not say our players took drugs? We judge them on the worst possible scenario regardless because it's on them. Which is drug taking. Yes, because it's on them to prove their innocence. And if they can't do that, if they can't put themselves in a position to do that, then we judge them accordingly. All right, well... Good to have your company on the sounding board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink or choosing to sanction players, Drinkwise, uh, that was a different way to start this episode. 36 of Series 6 of the sounding board. The return after a long time away, a long time absence of the Spin City segment of the sounding board. Craig Hutchison, 
basically taking the role of Justin Rodsky, CEO of the Melbourne Storm, after the issues they've had this week off-field. Hutchie, you want to start the show that way, just to, uh, I suppose, illustrate where it goes. But again, I still can't get my head around why Justin Rodsky and other people in his position, I don't want to make this about Justin Rodsky, can't admit to what actually happened. I felt for him, and I thought he handled it pretty well, actually. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He actually really did. So, And he got... Like a few things here. For one, you're a lightning rod to the to the Sydney media, regardless. As a Melbourne Storm CEO, they're going to go you regardless because you're the Melbourne Storm. Yep. Number two, it's a very sexy story to the media. Yep. Number three, there's legalities involved. <laughs> yes. You would have had the Players Association go. You can't say they took drugs. <laughs> you can't say they took drugs because we don't know they did. They don't know they did. And the players have obviously used the loophole, which is can't remember, and it's out of season. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't handle that as as well as Justin did in the end. But what? <laughs> What I think he's entitled to do is just judge them on the worst anyway. Yeah. You can say, well, if you can't tell us what you did or didn't do, yep. then we're just going to judge you on the, on we'll, the look. We'll work backwards from that. We're going to judge yep. you on the look. Why is it, though, Hutchie, when, when it comes to this? I, I get what you're saying, and if I'm his and, chair, I'm probably carrying on the same way, trying to be evasive, but why can't we just say what it was? I mean, Shane Patton, the Victorian um, Chief yep. Commissioner of Police, he had this to say when, when Nadia Bartel's issue became apparent. We, as in the police, are unable to, to, to determine what the substance on the plate was. If they can't determine what that substance was, Hachi, I'm not sure how they're solving crime in this state. Yeah, well, it's it's illegal to take drugs, which is what people forget. So people don't want to admit to an illegal act. Yep. I would. if I, I, Look, I, I've never hand on heart taken a drug, as hard as that is to believe, but I haven't. But if I were Cam Munster, you would just put your hand up and say, I made a mistake here on the night. Yeah. And I'm really sorry. And and we we sound like... You say that, but then there's lawyers representing him who are telling him not to. And, yeah. and you employ those lawyers to tell you what to do. This is where it all gets murky. This is where every single issue, let's restrict this conversation to sport, gets murky because the lawyers get involved. If if the athletes themselves wanted to deal with it in a, in a, in a certain way, I feel a lot of these issues would be handled better than they are, clearly, when but, lawyers get involved. But lawyers are not dissimilar to health professionals. They're there to give you advice. Ultimately, you're, you're accountable for your own actions. And at some point, you've got to say to your lawyer... I understand from a legal perspective, mm. that's the right decision. But I want to say this right now. But me at my core, I yep. made a mistake yep. and I want to own it. Yeah. And, and again, the lawyer will be saying, okay, you then you are then presenting a case to the authorities, the police, that you have actually done something that is very illegal. And it's almost a admission of guilt. That, yeah, but that, are, you, are you going to really go to jail for doing well, a lot of no, cocaine not, in 2021? But, like but, if, if oh, your contrition would, would well, count against it anyway. If you did, 90% of this town would be in there. So in every town, I would imagine, around the world in some form. But but what it does do, it then, then can be on your record when you travel and you go to another country and you're seeking a visa and seeking to get yeah. through customs. And then, look, that 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 is a, is a key part of, of why the police and, choose to turn a blind eye to it. And it's a cause close to our heart with drink-wise and... If you're choosing to have a night out, choose to drink wise. It, drinking is the gateway to all of these problems, isn't it? Like the fact I, that, I agree with that. The fact yeah. that they can't remember. Well, they, of course they can remember, Hachi. There's not, I, mean, yeah, I, know, I know people have amnesia through through what they um, take during a, a night out. But, but if it was any sport. How many times in your life have you woken up and not remembered? It, it would have happened. Not for 25 years, probably. And I, was yeah. a, I was a reckless kid. But when you, when you, you look at an NRL player saying, I can't remember, part of you goes, that's possible. Doesn't it? You you do it. Your mind does go to the the, the string of bad behaviour. They've done a pretty good job of curtailing, but they're not there yet. Yeah, and it's a it's a great brand, the Melbourne Storm. It's a it's a family club. They'll bounce back quickly. 
but it's a it's a poor look, and I think they're entitled to take a dim view. And I didn't mind him, Justin, serving a bit of back at the Sydney media. I know they took him on a bit, but he was in a he's in a horrible straitjacket, and it wasn't a whole lot. What did he say by serving it back? Well, they, uh, Peter Bedell, I think it was the journalist yep. who, who went him, and he he slapped back, but he was in a difficult spot. He's on Zoom. His his reactions are being. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah. I, I did go back and, and watch it. I, I've heard him on subsequent interviews as well. I, I don't think he could have done anything more. Yep. Speaking of bad behaviour, and by the way, we've had a lot of tweets about it. Domestic <laughs> issue this week, and we're going to have to deal with it. I'm sorry. We're going to have to get to that in a moment. Are you referring to what, I, what you're normally trying to, to avoid? The, to the, yeah, the, we'll, we'll get there in a minute. We'll get there in a minute. Look, look let's, the, before the, we the, go. The new journalism zoo's on for young and old. But, uh, Great mate of ours, Bradley Blanks, um, has raised a very serious issue in, in your life more than mine, Hutchie, that Bobby Axelrod is, is out of billions. It's unbelievable. <laughs> this has only really emerged overnight, unless I missed it the day before. So... I had this top of my rundown today until I walked in. <laughs> Billions. One of my favourite ever television shows. They've just finished Series 5. They made the last five episodes. They made the first six, seven, shut down during the pandemic, came back for the last five. You're obsessed with this show. Damien Lewis, the lead figure, is out of billions. Now, in the last episode, I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Don't. Who haven't seen it, but there's a circumstance in there which allows for the possibility of him not returning. Okay. Which was not giving too much away. I don't know how they've gone through six series of basically two men loathing each other, but they've managed to get through six series. Well done. Well, they've managed to build a third antagonist in the last series and a half and brought him along at a speed that he now takes the mantle of the the adversary in series. Okay. Well, that's when I dropped off six. watching this in an obsessive his, way. His portrayal, Damien Lewis, of a hedge fund guy, is as good an acting performance and as a relatable character as I've seen in, in television ever. Ever. So you're shattered, Hutchie. I'm absolutely. It's, it's absolutely like one of those sadism and so moments that you could. And I don't know. It's I can a, actually see you reacting to this. Hutchie. You're almost welling up. And what we saw was the beginning of an unexplored relationship to the back end of series five, which again is not giving too much away. What I would say is this: his wife in real life, yeah, sadly passed away in during the pandemic. He withheld. He had been back and forth from England anyway, where he was living to play the role and terrible tragedy with his wife passing. He filmed the bulk of the new scenes remotely on Zoom in character in quarantine Wow! and did it in a way where he didn't really notice he wasn't present in the room. He clearly came back on the last step for a day of shooting or two. I can't imagine how much trauma he was going through as a person to film that. And I thought the last five episodes... It lost its way a little bit in Series 3-4. Yeah, I, it, that's when I dropped off. Yeah, It finished with a storm, I thought. I thought it was a great finish. I thought it was an absolutely uh, breathtaking finish. And the series will be... And I can't imagine how they replace that tension in the show. And I, I'm not certain they can, but well, I'll give it a go. And, and the character he played in Homeland prior to this particular series was also as good an acting as you'd yeah, So I haven't met a Homeland oh, yeah. convert, but Damien Lewis... Go back to Ep 1, Series 1 on, on that. It's an incredible. You, you feel like you can. You just you've seen this character before in your life. I grew up with a guy a little bit like this, and it's uh, been fascinating to watch. And then the Morning Wars. Who was that? Do I know that person? The Morning Wars is three episodes. Yeah, in see, series I can't two. get into that. I can't get into that. That, that, that is just the most self-indulgent script writing I've ever seen, Hutchie. That that show. I, I didn't even get through the first series of that one. Do you that, have? I've got no interest in the second. Do you apply any discount 
or empathy for the fact these series have been shot during the pandemic when they haven't been able to travel and do some no, of the No, because stuff. it's just it's gratuitous acting that I just I can't cop, actually. And that, that's just my personal opinion on what I choose and not choose not to watch, but I can't have that that I found it a bit one. I found it a bit lumpy series two so far. Oh, and there's, well, there's been and some series one wasn't. Well I think there's been some some really nice moments. Only three I've seen, and there's been some pretty flat meandering writing that's gone on. I, I don't mind the post-show two-minute vignettes of how they shot the episode, okay. like how they how they created Wuhan out of the Anaheim railway station, and some of those things that we're seeing in the post-show. But yeah, it's no, I've, uh, I've abandoned that one. Hey, we can't wait any longer, Archie. We've been going. What was it now? Fifteen minutes. We had. We, I know you don't like talking about oh, Tom Brown. Tom Brown. Leave, before we leave television, by the way, we'll get to that. Before we leave telly, just one. One quick observation. Last observation on television. Okay. One of the great demises of Foxtel this year has been the V Channel. <laughs> the V Channel had contemporary relatable music. I wouldn't even know it was off. Actually. And it's gone. <laughs> it happened during the pandemic. And the best uh, equivalent that they've come up with is Nickelodeon music, or Nick music, which is 802. Whoever's programming that station... Don't play the same songs 15 times a day. <laughs> there are people that listen for it. I have it on the back of my office. They run the same six tracks on repeat. Some, someone knock on the door at Nick. <laughs> hey, mate, no more high ground we can take today. It's over. What are the Don't six songs? Us. Don't give us the Harry Styles song again. <laughs> it's not, it wasn't a good song in the first place. Are they contemporary, Hutchie? Are they playing a bit of uh, Kid Leroy, who I'm into no. at the moment, Hutchie? Savage Love is one of them. They play that endlessly. Here's a couple of bars of Savage Love, by the way, Jane. But that can get stuck in your head. I, and, and while you're at it, Jay, just if you wouldn't mind, find that uh, Kid Leroy song with Justin Bieber, <laughs> which is not my demographic, I admit that, but it's a really good song. Play that too, please. So there you go. So this a little shout-out from me. I think Foxtel music, because when you're working in an office and you get 20 minutes for 20 minutes, I always put it on and just try and think creatively on the laptop while it's on. <laughs> I can't hear the same songs any longer. So I, I just thought... It, <laughs> What's happening to you, It's time for a call-out on this. Yeah, you, you're anyway, okay. Do you need intervention? Are you OK? Let's, let's, <laughs> let's get to the topic you want to talk about. Well, we have to, Hutchie. I, you know, I, I'm reluctant to because for some reason you don't want to talk about Tom Brown too much. But we have to this week, Hutchie, because our, our listeners... Look, what I do love about our listeners, they come along for the ride of the rubbish we carry on with. And, and the sort of rubbish we carry on with is, is front and square... This week, given that Mitch Cleary, our great, well, actually my great mate, yours. Original you, you, producer. You, you haven't spoken, actually the original producer of this show, I think. Yeah. You haven't spoken to him since he decided to leave Croc Media some years ago. That's your choice. You've made that decision. You weren't happy with him. And now he's went to work for the AFL. And now he's gone to Channel 7. Unlike you, I will continue to talk to Mitch despite leaving the employment uh, that I've got. But that's all well and good. We raised this because <laughs> there's two in TV terms now, bulls in the paddock with Tom Brown and Mitch Cleary competing for the same story. Completing for the same airtime, completing for the same space on Channel Seven News Bulletin, Suchi. It's already been intriguing. It's so I, I can't stop laughing at this. It's probably, it's probably really not lost on a lot of people how funny this is to you and me. But our listeners, some of our listeners have got the uh, the gist of some what we're talking about. Here. Our Twitter feeds have blown up for three days. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> we never, we never set out to do this. 
How, how are you and I, a couple of like Stadler and Mordor from the Muppets, a couple of washed up ex journalistic hacks, become the people up in the Muppet Show looking down on the two new what's happening, the new sheriffs in town? Because <laughs> mind you, people want to review the first fifteen minutes of this episode and have the same views on our rubbish too, aren't you? But anyway, couple, this is our show. As, as John Williamson said. I tipped this. <laughs> we, were, we were forecasting this, so, this so, duke out there was 18 a little, months out. There was a little entree to the main offering, wasn't there? When when on, on social media before Mitch's debut, Tom and Mitch did a did a social oh. media video, which the power at play at, in this was, was profound, Hutchie. So you have Tom who... Who, when Steve O left to go and pursue a career in politics, he um, waited so long too, didn't he? Yeah, Just didn't get a, a runway on his own for a while. So he wanted desperately that title Steve O had, the, the chief football reporter. Yep. It took a while. There must have been some negotiations around behind the scenes. Ryan Daniels from Perth was clearly offered the job and, and ended up saying no to it. So Tom had it. So I mean, well done. He got it, and it's, he's always wanted it. Then Mitch comes in. A lot of tension created because Mitch and Tom have gone at it in that stakeout sense for years, haven't they? So they're not mates, I don't think. I don't think I'm talking out of school. They're not mates, but they've certainly got a high respect for each other. But the first show, Tom's hosting a video offering on social media where he's clearly in charge. And there was an information off. <laughs> like Mitch had referred to one topic and then Tom had then back announced, yeah, well, I spoke to him too and uh, look, I've heard this. <laughs> yes, I've heard that too. Oh, Hachi. I know there's a lot of areas in this. I, I, this is the most uncomfortable I've been <laughs> can talk and since tell. the Dylan Howe era. You don't want to talk about there's two, it. There's two reasons for that. One, I'm a massive Tom Brown fan, as you know. I, I've been a long-time advocate. Yep. Two, he, he is uncomfortable about us talking about him, and he did say to me, Perth, can you, can you wheel it back? And, he's, and, he, and, he's, and, he, and he had steam coming out of his ears about you. And no, the, he did. I, don't, I won't even go down that path, but... He, he did have a lot of steam coming out in Perth at one stage. Hush, so which, I don't want to. I don't want to. Which get... I'm not going to go into. So I don't I'm, need to. But so I'm just no. going to celebrate this union. <laughs> I'm going to talk it up. You can talk it down all you like. I'm talking it up. I'm not talking at anything. No, I'm, I'm just. I'm just observing. I love it. And I've got my man Mitch. For, for, few observations. Mitch played it well. Haircut. Yes. New suit. Yes. <laughs> Which you've always been on about, Mitch, about the suit. And shown his live stuff earlier. If, you, if you'd said back in the sounding board days he'd be accomplished live, you would have said, no, 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 I don't think you'll ever get there on that live. But he's very smooth on his feet now. Yeah. The round so far has been good for him. <laughs> and I'd say the round so far is about a 50-50 battle three days in. <laughs> if, I was, if I was scoring the three rounds today. Which, um, interesting evolution. So Tom's got the title, which he deserves. He is the chief football reporter of seven. The split screens, Jamo. <laughs> I've never seen a news cross with split screens. <laughs> so I wish they were around back in my day. Mitha and I would have had 35 less arguments. But so you, you would have paid attention to this. You would have wanted to be where Tom was for those split screens. So Tim Watson introduces so, them both. And then, look, I'm trying to describe the screen. Sean Menegola's morning meeting with... Uh, Mark Gillies or whoever else is still there these days on the uh, production desk. Right, how are we going to play this tonight? We've got the new guy, Mitch. <laughs> is he the footy report? He's the second. What do we need? Two foot? No, he's really good. We're going to need two. And we're going how, to promote him. I don't we... get to promotion. How, how are we going to do this? Well, I was thinking a split screen double cross tonight. <laughs> yes, but uh, how, do we, how do we position We're going to have to go and rehearse the look. <laughs> and we're going to get Tim to say, joining us now is Chief Football Reporter Tom Brown. And joining us for additional information... <laughs> Is Mitch Cleary, and it, to, to their credit, it presented well. I thought it did. He's coming during trade, which means there's a lot of stuff that won't last till the news. <laughs> yes, 
Took a risk early going on Yahoo. I thought Monday morning, Mitch, with his uh, Seb Ross story. He must have had to sign off from Sean. If I'm the news director and I see my recruit dropping a yarn on the digital platform Yahoo, which is owned by Seven, I'd be saying, couldn't get through till six on your first day, mate. And then the other thing is the two header. It, this is where no one's better at this stuff than you are. You pulling this apart. The, the two header together. It, it looks like an arranged marriage. <laughs> So does Tim Watson become involved in these conversations? Well, he, because he's the he's news taking presenter. taking that hands off far. No, no, but you guys... not, not much happens in sport without Tim having a say in it. So does he then say, well, all right, he's we're going to have a two-header. We need Tom above Mitch because that's a power play 100%. on the screen. But he deserves that. Tim's got that. You guys sort this out, look. <laughs> yeah, but behind <laughs> the scenes, we'll be making sure how it looks. And then the, on the, the daily Twitter trade catch-up they're doing, because everyone's attacking our trade space, which is fair enough, because we've had it to ourselves for a fair while. The, Attacking it, but then stealing and copying everything that's on it. No, it's, I'll come to that. So the, on the Twitter clips, <laughs> because there's a, it's a two-header, there's no other way presenting-wise for Tom to do this than to ask Mitch the question. <laughs> so if you, if you go back and watch them, Tom, here we are with Seven's Twitter update, and uh, I'm Tom Brown, and I'm joined by Mitch Cleary, and Mitch, what's going on? At the, <laughs> he's having to actually solicit the information. He couldn't care what Mitch has got. No, I think no, he, no, no, could I think you have under, been in that position? I think you undersell Tom enormously. He's a oh, tre- I've been he's a tremendous team player. Oh, and he's and he, hang, on, he, hang on, but he's highly ambitious. I'm not even that, and he's very good at what he does. He's not a team player, that's and you. they'll make it work. They'll make it work really well. But it, it reminded <laughs> now, me. I, I remember when I, the war stories kick in a bit for me. But when Anthony Mithin and I were in the same, we were a desk apart. By the way, we, they didn't even give us the honour of sitting in seven metres away, so we could. We were like where you and I are away from each other when we sat together at Channel 10. Yep. 9275, 1238 and 1237 we were. You could take a wrong number and get the other person's yarn. That's how close we were to each other's desk. <laughs> but I remember what, in trade period one year, this is back when trade was just starting to become a thing. Yeah. I had a, I went and pitched that I had a trade story with 15 bits of information in it, <laughs> all with file footage. <laughs> yeah. And Mytho went and did the same, right? <laughs> and in the end, Stephen Quartermain, to his credit, I reckon I could actually find it. He read both stories. The Trade News Now and uh, Carlton this while Hawthorne that. He's, On air you're talking about yep. you. Yep. And then it finished my story and then it went. And in further Trade News, <laughs> and because Channel 10 had the time, yeah. so we had two stories, two minutes each, and I reckon there were 30 things inconsistent between one and the other. <laughs> and I remember watching and thinking, oh, we might, have, we might have jumped the shark here a little bit. Three days later, Patrick Smith wrote a column in The Australian. Yeah, he used to write those stories where he'd take the mickey out of the whole way. Yep. You it, never wanted to be the focus of it. It was a, it was a satire yep. column. Yep. He wrote a satire column about how everyone's moving everywhere in one sentence and then they're staying the next sentence on the Channel 10 News. And, and no one could write those pieces better than Patrick. And he mocked us and I thought, that's probably spot on. <laughs> yeah. We're not there yet with Seven, but it's been good watching it. Well, actually, I've got another layer of detail in this, Hutchie. My, so I've now got spies in oh, at Seven. There's going to be a time when they've been shooting promos all week. <laughs> well, Hutchie, I, I don't work for Channel 7, as you know. I work for Channel 9. They, I've now got spies in at Channel 7, and my spies in at Channel 7 tell me there was a promo shoot during the week with Mitch Cleary and Jane Bunn. And Mitch. Mitch is not Jane Bunn level promo. Well, there was certainly. Well, hang on. No, he's not. No, that's not true. There was certainly a promo. Hang on. Actually, I might take back the Jane Bunn bit. There was certainly a high end, high level promo shoot, which will air at some stage, maybe internally. No. But Mitch has been involved in a promo shoot. Now, I'm assuming Tom's in it as well, because Tom's part of the sports section as well. 
Oh, but certainly on. Tim Watson's in, well, I believe Tim Watson's involved in it. I think Jane Bunn might be involved in it as well with Mitch. Let me repeat my views before we move off. They're both guns. It'll be good for the product. No one will be breathing fire to compete, and they're very, very good at what they do, and it'll be good for television news all around. So I'm actually a believer in the model. But the early early days is um, you know, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. <laughs> If Tom Brown doesn't get you the mess, I must. <laughs> hey, the new currency of trade I want to talk about. Yep. Once upon a time, you'd write your own stories. Then you it morphed into a digital age where you would uh, quote from other stories. Now, actually, the, the journalists themselves are becoming the yarns. That's, that, that, I think that's been in place before this year's trade period. So this, this is two stories I've read in the last 24 hours. Oh, no point naming platforms. And we, by the way, to, for sake of transparency, we do it too, SEN. So don't, yeah, you not, do. Yep. Absolutely you do. Um, Laddams feels unwanted in less than smooth situation at Port. Port Adelaide Ruckman Peter Laddams feels unwanted and the situation isn't as smooth as the club is letting on, according to veteran AFL journalist Damien Barrett. I did say that, Hutchie, on Trade so Radio. your comments are being now... People are doing a yarn about your comments on another platform. Here's another example. Hawthorne Ruckman John Sigler has been told to explore his opportunities elsewhere, reports SEN Sam Edmund. It comes as Hawthorne boss Richie Vandenberg confirmed the club would be open to possibilities, which was the Herald Sun story. So we are now in a repackaged... Journos are now being repackaged for digital clickbait. Yep. But but that's been happening for, I'd say, years, Archie. It's been subtle, but it has been... It explodes in trade period. It's exploded this time of year. Yep. And you've got the usual, um, how do we say, the people in media who who look down on the product, don't you? There's a lot of them. And we do look down on other products, Archie, but there's a lot of people look down on the trade radio product. And then two days later, same people, or certainly the same organisations that they represent, are doing these type of articles or these type of presentations based on the information that comes out of Trade Radio. They, I don't know, why, I don't know why they bother trying to shoot it down early days because they end up copying it anyway. It's interesting with Trade. It's an extraordinary media product. Trade. Well, you know that. So and for for everyone who you you've made it, you've actually made it what it is. For everyone that denounces that it's there's too much discussion and it's always on and. It's not for me, and all those things that you start to hear if you rolled eyes around the place. It, the, the audience consumption of it is like nothing you've ever seen. So tell me, are the numbers, because last year it exploded, it's exploded every single year in the 10, 11 years, 12 years we've done Trade Radio. That, not last year were record numbers. Is it up again this year? And I'm intrigued on that because this year, it must be said, nothing is happening. But I've always said, Hachi, in the last five or six years, the trades actually sometimes get in the way of Trade Radio. And when we're talking about draft picks being swapped, please, as, as a story, it's just part of the wider narrative around where each club is at. So, yeah, it, there's two things that have happened this year. One, the the, the marquee player doesn't exist yep. in, the, in the pool. I want to get to that topic in a few moments, too, yep. through the and lens I, of the NFL. And I think that's the first time in our time that there hasn't been a marquee hanging a hat on name who's the subject of... Media consumption. So if Jordan Dawson's your lead product, yeah. you would think, okay, there's a reasonable interest level of. Um, it's possible audience could, for, for that reason, not, not not feel the need to listen as much. And number two is everyone has attacked it. Everyone's doing daily updates, Twitter updates, sixty second snackable content. Everyone's doing it better. Herald Sun, Fox, Seven. not better than Trade Radio, just better than what they've done no, previously. But everyone is. Everyone is giving it their absolute best. Yeah. And there's been some really great content from all the other platforms. 
around the place. So on that basis, you would think it is reasonable that the audience would come off. It has grown again. Has it? And significantly. And it, and then look at the podcast. Like I got our podcast numbers on Monday, and it was like there was a mistake in them. And you drill into them, and trade is gone. Trade Radio stayed in the top 100 Australian podcasts throughout the entire winter. People went back and listened to last year. Oh, no, they wouldn't. What would they they did. Oh, no, I'm not having that. It maintained... They're not that short of things to do, even in, even in a pandemic. It maintained its slot as the number one consumer. No, it, to me, it's not, it's not evergreen product. It's, it's, it's I, snackable for the now, but it's not something you go and revisit. It, it maintained a place in the top 100 Australian podcast ranker throughout the winter. And then it'll be back, if not number one, near two, straight away. I think it did nearly a million podcast downloads last week. It's not even a podcast product. Unbelievable interest in trade. And it is, it's a sport of hope. People absolutely are obsessed with the art of the deal. Yep. And, and the audience is smarter than it's ever been. So, Hachi, we, we this year, as in, in the AFL, have got uh, the man you just mentioned, Jordan Dawson, and we've got Adam Chera. Now, with due respect to those two players, they're not Buddy Franklin when it comes to profile. I raise that because in the most recent NFL match just played on a Sunday night, we had Tom Brady versus versus. Bill Belichick, yep. the, the great union, six Super Bowl winning combination. Now, Brady obviously left um, the New England Patriots two seasons ago, uh, but didn't play against New England last year. He did on the weekend, just gone. The second highest ratings on Sunday night football of all time. I raise it, Hutchie, because that wasn't Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus New England Patriots in terms of why people watching in that match. Yeah. It was Belichick. Belichick versus Brady, individual versus individual. That, to me, is the key selling point to sport. And the AFL right now is at a semi-crisis point, I feel, when it comes to the individual. The clubs have been allowed to dumb down every single player and person that represents them to the point where they're just a number. They're a robot within the system. They do not encourage the personality to, to come through. Dustin Martin has become that person through stealth, through unavailability. Through unavailability. He's become and, and through performing on the biggest stages on multiple occasions. We don't allow it, Hutchie. Buddy Franklin doesn't talk. Dustin Martin doesn't talk. Captains talk because they have to when they talk in riddles. These guys say what they think. I, yeah. I, I think there's a problem with it. Now, I've moved it on from the trade I, radio I, conversation. I understand your argument. I feel it's a bit of a stretch. Like, Tom Brady is a once-in-a-lifetime athlete. And Bill Belichick but but is so is Lance Franklin. It's, a, it's an unfair... So is Lance Franklin. He doesn't talk. Yeah, but the Swans haven't coached that out of him. Like, he's been his, they've allowed him to be his own guy. I, I, I There's think... also no requirement for him to play. He, he signs deals that should have him publicly speaking. He doesn't. Yeah. No, I think clubs, clubs could play a deeper role in making their best players stars in a public sense. And, they... and it won't hurt them. They don't realise it won't hurt them. No. We've, we've talked about this a fair bit over the journey. I, I agree with you on that. But even, even a trade period, actually, Jordan Dawson, Adam Chira, Nathan Kruger played two games. He became a headline for three days. Even last year's trade period, they're just some random names. Cam Newton, Philip Rivers, Nick Foles, some great quarterbacks there. Todd Gurley, DeAndre Hopkins. They're all moving in a win. Richard Sherman. Now, I don't want to get into the specifics of why Richmond Sherman's a controversial topic right now, but he played on the weekend within season for Kansas City, yep. having left the second of his two clubs and also having police charges over him. But there's movement. There's there's, there's narratives around the individuals in that game that, that we just don't have and won't be capable of ever having. Can I ask you a, a little bit of a left-field question on trade? 
Do you think what the industry has gone through in the last 18 months with the job cuts and the pressure on soft cap has created a level of risk averseness among list managers and traders? Even more so than ever, yeah, more so than ever. I, I felt there was a potential for coming into this one. The, the decisions being made by Jordan Dawson and Adam Chera, for instance, wanting to go home or, or go back to regions that from which they're from was going to be a, an overriding um, outcome in this trade period. It hasn't happened because the contracts that are in place are being adhered to. But there's, who's, who's made a hard call on a player this, this off-season? No one. No one makes that. And, and recruiters don't, Hutchie. And this is my other point. Um, recruiters in the AFL system will draft a kid at 18, and as we know, there's a standard player contract which has that player done for two years. Often, before he's even played one game of footy, they'll seek to extend that deal for a further two years to make it a four-year deal before he starts his career. He's got security of four years. That recruiter and people who make that decision don't want to be exposed to that player not being any good. So they look after him for four years. He may be no good after six weeks for all they know, but they won't move him on because another club might make him better and that then looks, in their eyes, bad on them. It feeds my unpopular theory that the wrong people are doing their trading. It's a different skill to recruiting, I think. Yep. But but it also gets to they're, they're, not, they're not privately owned clubs, the AFL clubs. And, and if you was an owner, you own basketball clubs. If someone's not performing, you're not letting them sign that player for four years. Well, I think as a protection mechanism, as the the industry's, I mean, there's there's been high empathy for existing players and what they've been through, which I think is understandable. Yep. fair enough. And give us guy another year. Next year looks like it could be could go the other way, right? Because there's there's a lot of empathy. Look, Damo's had he has done a great year, but he's been in a lockdown, and we feel for him. And he took a pay cut last year, and we're going to back him in for another year, and then then we'll make a decision. And the second thing is, I think. A lot of the people making decisions who are all unbelievably talented recruiters are not necessarily wanting to make a mistake. So, you know, uh, job protection a little bit can come into play across a club decision. Everyone goes, well, do we really want to sack the fourth best player in the club and take a risk on it? Because if it doesn't work out, we're, yeah. we're exposed on this. And they're worried, they're worried about that fourth best player at the club going to another club and becoming the best player at the new club and winning a premiership. And the bounce but, back on that. But, yeah. but, but so what if he does? You, you've had four or five or six years with him. It doesn't work with you. You always get overcompensated for those that come in. You should you never do. lose anyone, never yeah. fear anyone going. I mean, the other aspect of it too, and then this needs to be factored into this conversation, um, is that there's been effectively three players per club reduction on, on the overall numbers of players on clubs, and there's been a 9% cut in, in overall salary True. cap. So, so that, that has created an even more conservative if, landscape. If you're than, the 15th, 16th ranked club, where's the where's the dare though? I, I, but actually, I, they, I don't they, they don't want to be anything more than 15th or 16th next year because there's a sense of comfort in staying down the ladder until I, they I think they're ready. I don't agree with that. I think there's a, there's a, there's uh, a you, lack of alignment on being bold. Hey, can I ask I you, you that. mentioned the NFL. Yep. Urban Meyer. Yes, coaching Jacksonville Jaguars right now. This is an extraordinary story. And, and a famous, and you might be able to fill in some specific blanks here, Hutchie, famous college coach. One of the, you know, yeah. not you know, Nick Saban's probably, you know, he's, At he's, Alabama. he's a half yard behind Nick. Some yeah. people might email in and say he's a half yard ahead of him. But he's been a, like a legend of the college system. Ohio State in the most recent run, I think, from memory. Yep. But he's a legend. Finally goes and coaches in the NFL. Coaching the Jacksonville Jaguars. Who I think lost every game last year or won, maybe won one. They're none and four. Yep. None and four. They lose the Thursday night game. He stays behind in Columbus, Ohio, where he's got his own bar named after him. Right. The Urban Meyer, whatever it's called. And It's a chop house, a steakhouse. Video emerges on social 
of a young lady dancing in front of him in what seemed to be an inappropriate, in an inappropriate manner, I think, yep. was the inference. And so he stayed behind, didn't fly back with the team, and then it's emerged on social that he's in his own bar mingling with a young lady. Can you imagine? And then a second bit of video. So he, he apologised, I'm wrong, I'm sorry, nothing happened, just taking photos, etc. And then second bit of video emerged. And the owner overnight, Tony Khan, who our regular listeners would know because of the um, his son being the lead of AEW, the wrestling group, who we love, gave him a smackdown publicly. Said it's inappropriate. You got to regain the trust. Can you imagine? Imagine mm. in Australia, a coach none and four, not travelling with the team, not travelling with the team, being in a bar, mingling with a young lady, being caught on video. Can you imagine the storm mm. that would hit this? He wouldn't. I don't think he'd survive long enough to train. Wouldn't the survive the press conference on Monday morning. And he is still the coach of the Jacksonville, at least as, as of today, Jacksonville yeah. Jaguars. But and his wife said, uh, "We're a thirty-seven year union and not a bump in the road thing to stop us." And was, you know something like that. And she backed. But so his story might be a hundred percent right. It, it just looks damning. Yeah, the vision. Ashes, uh, damn it! We, we seem to have made progress in the past twenty-four hours. Oh, here we go. We're going to have Captain Cynical now. Ashes finally, series. read the words out of Joe Root's mouth, and now he be- now he's a believer. Happy are those happy are those who have not seen and yet still believe, Damo. I've never I've never had a doubt that's going to go ahead. Oh, what yeah. I've had a doubt is how's it going to look. Oh, here we go. And so they're now allowed to shack up in a in a winery in the Yarra Valley, are they? Which is very different to what every other person who comes into the country has to be subjected to. Well, I didn't. So there's rules for some coming into play here as well, are there? Did, did they say that that's their first stop, or that's one of the stops? I think it's one of the options, and I think it was one of the uh, circuit breakers in conversations. Yeah, I mean, so, so we're going to let some people do things differently, are we? Well, the, the borders are going to be ostensibly open in, from November the 14th. Mm. You were going to be able to fly Sydney to London. Yeah, no, no, but don't, but not Sydney to Brisbane. Don't worry about Sydney to London. What about Sydney to Perth? Sydney to Melbourne? Sydney to wherever the next test is, Hutchie? Try to get into, a, into Adelaide at the moment from a from coming from a, a hot zone. Yeah. And, and fair enough, too. That's the way they've run their state. I'm, I'm happy that the Ashes are going ahead. Of they, course you are, Hutchie. You, you're up to your eyeballs in financial were, deals with it. They were always going to go ahead. No, I, I am as a consumer. I love the Ashes. There was $200 million at stake for Cricket Australia. There's no way they weren't going to find a way. They found a way. The solution is fine. There's no problem with the solution. I can't, it's an over and above flight. It's not costing any caps of... Returning travellers or any of those things. Oh, it never as does. Best I've no, read, no, it never does. As yeah. best I've read it. And you know what? Even if it did, they found a way to get the ashes on. <laughs> what about finding a way to get your, your loved ones home who were strange? Well, citizens? I think they've, they've committed to that, though, haven't they? Like, oh, have they? From November the 14th, yeah. the borders are open in Sydney. You would think from the start of December they're open in Melbourne. Mm. And ostensibly, there's a pathway in and out for people into those two states. Ostensibly, okay. I think That's Queensland have announced today their border policy, haven't they? So it's so there's rules for some, though. Again, at play. Of course, there's Dave. There's rules for some. That's how the that's how the life works. Here's the rules for some. Michael Holding, did you see his comments speaking of cricket? Not his most recent ones. He re- he's retired. Yes, I saw that. He said he won't miss the game. Okay. And he took aim at kind of the Western. He didn't use the word privilege, but. Western arrogance, I think he used, okay, in describing how cricket's changed and how the ICC have become a marketing arm rather than doing the right thing, and he and he referenced the England tour of Pakistan, yep. which I thought was fascinating. He said that it was outrageous that England pulled out of Pakistan 
four for four day. You know, it was a four day tour they pulled out of. Yeah. He said it was shocking Western arrogance. He said Pakistan last year sacrificed themselves, stayed for nine weeks in quarantine in to England, keep cricket alive, keep cricket alive. Yeah, and for and for four days England couldn't return the favour. He said, and it, there's no way they would have done that to India because of the money. So yeah. rules for some. I thought when yeah. Michael Holding speaks, and I didn't. I felt quite sad seeing him not speak so warmly of the game that he's leaving when he's been such an influence on it as a player. He yeah. was one of the best bowlers of all time. As a commentator, you'd argue he's been one of the best oh, experts of all time. I mean, one of those, um, you say rare because it is rare, commentators who was better at the commentating craft than he was at the, at the sporting craft. Right. We, 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 for a period of time, he had no peer. He's a lead at both. And, and so I, I felt a sense of sadness reading his comments, but mm. I also love that he called it out. Yeah. I haven't read his book, have you? No, I'm I'm in the off season, Hutchie. When I get these, uh, how many weeks? Off season, twenty three weeks. Twenty three is it now? Yeah. When I get these ten weeks, which I'm contracted to get off, and we'll, we'll need Hutchie. Um, I'm going to read. I'm going to read that, and I'm going to read the. I still. I'm late to the party. Very late to the party on the um, Andre Agassi book, which I, I've had in my keeping now for about five years. And I think he wrote about ten years ago. So they're my two book. You're twenty two weeks annual leave. You read so many books. You've actually read Max Walker's How to Hypnotize Chooks twice. <laughs> That's how many weeks off you have. That's a bestseller. <laughs> you, you have an enormous amount of 22 weeks leave. The amount of people in Perth that said to me, gee, don't ask me looking forward to the next 22 weeks. I did get asked a little bit over there, actually, thanks to you. I have to remind them it's 10. How many books can you get through in 22 weeks? I'll get, I'll, if, if I get through those two books and then catch up on... Um on a few TV series, I'll be I'll be happy, Hutchie. There you go. Uh, but it won't be. I don't think it'll be. It certainly won't be Morning Wars. I've uh, I've put a line through that rubbish. Don't don't don't, list, don't watch Morning Wars. It's it's rubbish. Did you get I? to the end of the newsreader? No, I haven't even started that one. Very good. Was it? Yep. Better than Morning Wars. Uh, it's it's local, so relatable. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Well, that was a different sounding board. It was a different start to it anyway. And uh, the Mitch Cleary, Tom Brown, Tom Brown that's, situation. That's, that's you. I'm, I'm distancing myself from I'm that. actually, I'm actually, actually, I want to thank you for actually partaking in that conversation because normally you shut it down. So thank you, Hachi. You made it easier today. I'm distancing myself. That was episode 36 of series six of a series called The Sounding Board for Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Thanks for listening to the Sounding Board podcast with Hutchie and Damo. Tune in for questions tomorrow and to send a question to the boys, email thesoundingboard at sen.com.au, follow the show on Twitter at Sounding Board EP and like the Facebook page. It's all thanks to Drinkwise. If you're choosing to have a drink, choose to Drinkwise. Drinkwise.